Chapter Eight of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly by J. B. Polly. Chapter Eight Crossing Over into Maryland. Letter of October the 8th, 1862. Continued. Ah, I exclaimed Bob Murray on the morning of September 5th, with an emphatic crescendo inflection on the last syllable. Darned if I don't believe all the ice houses in western Maryland were emptied into this river last night. We were wading the Potomac, bent on effacing the print of the despot's heel from maryland's shore and bob had just stumbled over a rock in the middle of the channel and gone under head and ears with less reason than he i was of the same opinion the coldness of the water however was more than equalled by the frigidity of the welcome extended not even the dulcet strains of maryland my maryland evoked from half-submerged instruments by collins band aroused the enthusiasm of the people no arms opened to receive no fires blazed to warm and no feast waited to feed us as wet shivering and hungry we stepped out of the water and set our feet on maryland's soil that day jack sutherland and i straggled he because of a sore heel and i to escape the heat and dust i should encounter if i remained in the ranks next morning on our way to rejoin the command on the monocracy near frederick city we ran across three georgians butchering a beef being totally ignorant of the deliciousness of a cowboy's tidbits the sweetbread and marigot they generously consented to our appropriation of those rare and dainty gastronomic delicacies on this occasion if never before jack was a trifle too greedy and to use a bit of slang the singularly exhaustive expressiveness of which justifies a departure from the rules of rhetoric cut off more than he could chaw the marrow-gut is never over three feet long the art in securing it consisting of knowing where to begin and where to stop much practice when i was a cowboy which i wish i was now has made me an adept in the art jack is not an adept but as he insisted on doing the carving i had to let him do it he began with commendable discretion and having stripped out about eighteen inches of the entrail bade me take hold of the end of it and proceeded with his carving at what i judged to be three feet i suggested a halt dry up said he testily don't you suppose i know what i'm about figuratively extinguished i stood mute and jack continued cutting until he reached the six-foot mark whacking it off there and rising to his feet with his end firmly clutched between his fingers he asked how we should divide it just cut it in two in the middle said i knowing that thus only could i hope to get the only eatable part he did so and then each of us taking half the sweet bread 
and smacking our lips in anticipation of the treated store for us when we reached the frying-pan of our respective messes hastened on to camp but alas while neither i nor my mess had the least cause for complaint jack and his did and he was denounced by his messmates in terms more forcible than elegant for his carelessness in both selection and division leaving the monocacy on the ninth we moved on to hagerstown and encamped on the grassy banks of a beautiful clear stream of water with trembling pen and an ashamed heart i must confess that at that particular juncture in my career as a soldier i was according to the polite but graphic language of our camp chesterfields quite insectuous only persons who have been similarly afflicted can realize the joy i felt when a happy chance an apparently providential interposition in my behalf furnished me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet with a change of raiment the clear stream of water came in then most handily for the extensive and laborious ablutions rendered obligatory by my keen sense of the fitness of things being in a portion of maryland never before depredated on by an army rations were abundant even if evidences of the good will of the people were few and far between willingly would we have remained longer at hagerstown but it was not to be grim visaged war again showed his wrinkled front and blew his blasts in our ears the sound of cannon back in the direction of frederick city proclaimed that little mac was coming after our scalps and within an hour our brigade was on the march to boonesborough gap the desire of general shank evans to have his brigade of south carolinians assigned to whiting's division on the day after the enemy was routed at second manassas was at first blush a compliment we had no objection to sharing the honours of the future with a brigade which had gained renown at ball's bluff but the desire appeared so soon to be wholly self-serving that we regretted our complaisance and would willingly have forgone the flattery evans's commission as brigadier-general antedated that of hood and this gave him command of the division in the absence of general whiting when therefore evans's first act of authority was an unwarranted demand on hood to turn over to evans's quartermaster a lot of nice ambulances texas scouts had captured and which had been appropriated to our own use and benefit and when hood refusing was placed under arrest by evans and deprived of command the indignation of the texans was all the deeper because of the necessity of suppressing it nor did it find audible expression until the sound of the enemy's guns on the fourteenth of september and the sight of our beloved general riding with bowed head in the rear of the men who trusted him emphasized the outrage and forced an appeal to supreme authority general lee sat on his horse by the side of the road almost within reach of the enemy's guns and each texan as he passed joined in the meaning refrain to the deep-seated resolve if there's any fighting to be done by the texas brigade hood must command it 
Understanding the full significance of the demand, Lee raised his hat courteously and replied laconically, You shall have him, gentlemen, and immediately dispatched an aide to inform Hood of his release from arrest. The men began to cheer, but when our gallant general, his head uncovered and his face proud and joyful, galloped by to his rightful place at the head of the column, the cheers deepened into a roar that drowned the volleys of the hundred cannon that were even then vengefully thundering at the gap. Mounted on a good horse, I turned short to the right, and after riding all night, crossed the Potomac at Williamsport, whence I proceeded up the Shenandoah Valley to Staunton. Having so far devoted this letter exclusively to feats of broil and battle, little would i grace my cause by descending to a monotonous story of travelling among a friendly and hospitable people indeed the trivial incidents of that journey would afford but slight entertainment even were this a time of peace much less when every southern heart is enlisted in the great and glorious cause for which our soldiers are laying down their lives nor shall I attempt any description of a battle in which I did not participate. When I rejoined the brigade, it was encamped here, near an immense spring of clear, cold water. Looking about me for the faces of men endeared to me by common suffering and danger, I missed many. Some of them were killed outright at Sharpsburg. Many were wounded and of a few the best and worst that could be said was that they had been reported as missing the brunt of the battle on that part of the confederate line occupied by hood's brigade at sharpsburg fell upon the first texas and they bore it like the heroes they are even if they did lose their flag their colour-bearer being killed at a time when the enemy was pressing the regiment too vigorously for its members to attend to any duty but shooting they've proved by their unflinching gallantry that given the same opportunities either one of our texas regiments could be depended upon to do all that mortals may to win victory and punish a foe using the expressive nomenclature of camp I may say that at Gaines Mill it was the hell-roaring fourth that carried off the honours, at second Manassas it was the bloody fifth, and at Sharpsburg it was the ragged first. Anent the matter of that lost flag, it was a long, lean private of the sixth North Carolina who administered a retort courteous to a would-be wag of the first texas the regiments were passing each other two or three days after the battle and the representative of the lone star state with more wit than discretion sang out of the sixth hello fellas have you got a good supply of tar on your heels this morning yes answered the long lean man pleasantly but too pointedly to be misunderstood and it's a real pity you uns didn't come over and borrow a little the other day it mount have saved that flag o yourn nearly two months of incessant marching and battling in heat 
dust mud and rain and of exposure to all the perils of active campaigning in front of a largely outnumbering enemy have made this rest at winchester a very pleasant one we have little to do but eat drink sleep and talk the officer who would suggest drilling the veterans of the brilliant campaign just ended would merit summary dismissal from the service their fond mothers are sensible in keeping your friend and his cousin john so near home as to be constantly within reach while those two bravest of the brave were dancing attendance on the ladies eating fried chicken and drinking pure coffee three times a day sleeping under mosquito bars at night and taking noonday siestas in hammocks with a darky on either side to brush away the flies i footed it from richmond to manassas and from manassas to hagerstown carrying an average weight of forty pounds sleeping on the ground often wet to the skin sometimes choked by dust always hungry generally tired and on various occasions gave the yankees whom they so bitterly hate every opportunity to kill me that a fairly expert marksman could ask but while i have not yet shuffled off this mortal coil there is no telling when i may and it seems to me i would take the risk twice as willingly if tommy and johnny were only here to share it my experiences are not singular every man in lee's army has done as much and the majority of them a great deal more in the matter of hard and dangerous service than i pray do not mention what i have said to the gentlemen named they might think me envious of their good luck and i am can't you persuade the one my lady likes the better to exchange places with me should the other choose to follow i have a messmate as willing as myself to get back to texas but i must close some movement is in contemplation for aides and orderlies are hurrying in all directions note four from winchester where the foregoing letter is dated and where it remained fully four weeks hood's brigade marched across and to the eastern slope of the blue ridge camped near culpepper court house a couple of weeks moved on to the south side of the rapidan and camped there three weeks and then proceeded to fredericksburg arriving but a few days before the battle fought there End of chapter 8